Welcome to the Social Flight Live podcast, an audio version of our live show, hosted every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Social Flight Live. I'm Jeff Simon. We have a wonderful show for you this evening. Melvin Williams is here, Boeing 737 educator, aircraft mechanic, pilot, CFI, and so much more. And I cannot wait to get to him to join the program. Before we get started, of course, a few things about what's going on. First of all, Social Flight's Fly to Win Challenge is in its last day for this cycle. And we are giving away a Lightspeed Zulu 3 headset. It's going to be chosen by the end of the day tomorrow. So September 1st, be sure to get in there. And you still have time to get out there and check in at any airport. Just get the free Social Flight app on your phone for Apple or Android devices. All you have to do is go to the challenge tab and check in at any airport. If you check in at many airports, you can compete to get more entries, but even one gets you in to win that prize. And then of course, moving forward after this, every single time that you can look down at your phone, we have a challenge going on for a new prize and we'll be announcing that prize after we uh, announce the winner of our Lightspeed Zulu 3. So be sure to check out again, socialflight.com. We have tens of thousands of aviation events and destinations, online events and in-person events. And it is just so important right now to support local airports, to support clubs, EAA chapters, fly-in pancake breakfast, Young Eagles, you name it. Go on there and you can find out what's happening local to you and you can get out there and support it. And the last thing is I am so excited to announce those of you listening now on our Social Flight Live podcast. It's available on whatever streaming service that you use. Just do a search on Social Flight it's one word, and it'll bring up our new podcast, and it has some great things. We come out with a new episode every Thursday and a, a throwback episode every Sunday with some of the best things and people that we have had on. And I'll tell you, it's just it's been a wild ride, and I'd encourage you to go check it out and, uh, and enjoy your time in the, in the car like you haven't before if you, that's where you listen to your podcast. Now, our guest tonight as a Boeing 737 educator, mechanic, aerobatic pilot, and CFI, Melvin Williams has had his hand in many facets of aviation. Through his Instagram channel and other media, Mel inspires, motivates, and mentors young people to focus on their dreams and work hard to achieve them. It's a message that's getting through loud and clear. With over 40,000 followers on Instagram, Mel sharing his story of perseverance and diversity in aviation to young people who may never have seen, let alone set foot on a general aviation airport. Mel's passion for professionalism and expanding his own boundaries has led him into aerobatics and put him on the road to future air show fame. I'm going to bring Mel on the line now, and I'm thrilled to have him here with us tonight on Social Flight Live. Please welcome Melvin Williams. How are you doing tonight, Mel? What's going on, Jeff? What's up, man? I'm good. Happy Thank to hang you. out. 
Thank you so much for joining us. I am, I have to tell you, um, you know, sometimes with guests, I'm a, a little bit of a, a kid uh, in watching this and I love what you're doing. I, I, I just, I have, I didn't grow up in an aviation family or in, in, in any exposure to it. And when there is someone that opens the doors to people and, and just brings them in from outside of aviation like you do, I, it just puts a grin on my face I can't get over. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I'm, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's surreal. I'm really happy to be here. Um, I really honestly didn't see my aviation career going this far in the beginning, but, uh, you know, here I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start as we talk about you being here. Um, I want to, you know, get to some of the things that, of course, you're doing now, but I'd like to start with a bit of your foundation of how you got into aviation and then take us kind of behind the scenes a little bit on this uh, Boeing 737 work that you do. Yeah, so, um, wow, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a little bit. So I was fortunate enough to uh, get my aviation career started uh, by going to aviation high school in uh, New York City, um, in uh, Long Island City, Queens, New York. And aviation high school is basically a, uh, it's a vocational school. Um, so you do the whole high school thing, but then you also take shop classes. Um, and basically the end result is as long as you follow the curriculum, uh, you'll get your airframe and power plant license. So I did five years of high school, um, not for, um, and not for the wrong reasons, but for the right ones. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so after four years, I got my airframe and then they have a fifth year program that you have to apply for because they can't take everybody, they can't take the entire senior class. You have to apply and, you know, they got to have the right scores and all other stuff. Um, so I came back to high school for a fifth year so I can get my power plant license. And um, yeah, I was uh, certified by 18 years old when I graduated. I have a late birthday. I turned 19, you know, uh, in November at the time. But um, when I took my my uh, my practical exam, I was 18 with uh, my airframe and power plant licenses. So. Wow. So in four years, they focus on airframe mainly and the fifth year is power plant if you come back for that? Well, it depends. So so everybody starts basically the same. And then I believe it's your junior year, you focus on either airframe or power plant. So I had airframe first my junior year. So I came back for power plant, whereas others would <clears throat> who started off in the power plant realm would come back for the airframe. So it just, right. it just depends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people. Uh, outside of aviation don't necessarily realize that when we call someone an A&P, that those are separate, really, ratings as part of a license. You can be yep. either, not just together. There's such thing as an A or a P. Correct. Yeah, 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 there is. You know, of course, the airframe side of it is, you know, everything else other than the engine, right? And then you have the engine side of it. So, yeah, I mean, you you have folks that just have their airframe and they do, you know, welding stuff and, you know, machine type stuff. And you have folks that just have their power plan and just focus on engines. So, but of wow. course it's better to get both, better to get both, better <laughs> well-rounded mine as well. You know, you, you're already in it. So, um, but yes, yeah, yeah. You can, you can be separate. I, I think those vocational programs are so important. There's a, there's a great one that's at our local airport up here. Um, and uh, I see the, the enthusiasm and kind of the culture of what's going on. And, it, it, we need mechanics. We need people in so many of these trades and they have such incredibly bright futures. That seems to be an area that, that could use a lot more focus in terms of both uh, diversity and, and outreach for aviation. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. I, I tell people all the time, my high school saved my life because, um, you know, I, I, I don't like saying it often because, you know, people take it the wrong way, but um, I didn't like school growing up. Um, not because I just didn't get it. I mean, I got it. I just didn't see the point of a lot of it um, until, you know, I got to my school and I said, okay, well, there's something here because when I leave, you know, it's, it's not just kind of going through what everybody else goes through. Okay. You know, you go to elementary school and you go to high school and you, and then, you know, you graduate, then you have to figure out what you want to do with your life. And then you go to college and then you spend more money. And then, you know what I mean? It just keeps going and going and going. And, you know, people get to college. I have friends that change their majors, you know, a whole bunch of times and all this other stuff, still trying to, you know, figure it out. But, you know, when I, when I was in high school, I said, Hmm, this is something here because I was seeing folks, you know, who were older than me graduate and go on and work for the airlines. It was a direct, you know, move from high school straight into the workforce. So, so, so it made sense. So, you know, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't an A student. I wasn't a B student, C minus maybe at best, you know, but that was in the academic realm. But uh, in shop, you know, I excelled because that's, that's what was going to, you know, put money in my pocket, what was going to put a roof over my head and stuff like that in the future. And uh, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's really what I focused on. Um, so my, you know, my, 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 my approach to things a little bit different. Um, I just focused on at the time, what was more important. And to me, to me personally, it was, uh, you know, shop classes and, and doing that stuff, because I know that I knew at that point in time, if I could do that and excel in that, then there was a job waiting for me. And I mean, I was absolutely correct. And I've, you know, I Delta picked me up at 19 and, you know, here I am 15 years later, you know, at 34. So it worked. Wow. What drew you, given that, given that you kind of were drawn towards the trades and you excelled at that, there's so many different things. It's so easy to uh, go through, go down one of those tracks. That's not in aviation, of course. What drew you to the aviation side of it? Um, man, I, I've always been in the airplanes, um, just from a kid, you know, my grandfather used to go on a lot of work trips. He worked for a bank. He was a bank manager as I was growing up and, you know, he would be in and out grabbing his bag. Sometimes you could smell the jet, jet fuel on his clothes. He came in, you know? Um, and then, uh, my aunt used to take me out to JFK and, um, this is before nine 11 where, you know, they're sending you around, you got to keep going, you know what I mean? So you can actually just park up, you know, you know, at the departures and I can, you know, see all the airplanes when the Concorde was still flying and stuff like that. So I've always been, um, I've always been interested in aviation. So when I went to my high school, originally when I applied, um, I actually thought it was to become a pilot, um, until I got there and I'm seeing a whole bunch of engines taken apart. I'm like, man, what the hell is this? You know? And, um, come to find out it's a aviation maintenance school. I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's like the next best thing. Um, so it worked out. And then, you know, on top of that, you know, it's, it's, you know, vocation, you know, learning a trade is super important, you know, just as important as, you know, becoming a doctor, a lawyer, all the other stuff, you know? Um, and, and it's just, it's just a different angle. It's not, it's not the ordinary, um, you know, a lot of people get pressure to go and, you know, do these spectacular things, but, you know, a lot of folks don't realize you can do spectacular things different ways, you know? So. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. You know, one of the things, again, of course, I'm, I'm you know, a big fan of, of the trades and how they all, uh, how much we need them in society. And 
one of the things I love about it in aviation is it's such a, a kind of, a, a, it's managed so professionally and it's such a seamless path between those that get involved and may only work on airplanes to those who work on them and fly them. Um, and it seems so upwardly mobile. You mentioned you wind up working for Fortune 500 companies if that's what you choose to do. Um, like the, the paths are really open. You can choose to have your own local business and hang your own shingle, or you can choose to work for a large company and, and who knows, you could rise anywhere in the ranks there is. Right. Um, so uh, tell me a little bit more about your path when you got out and how you wound up where you are today. Cause of course uh, you work for one of the large airlines. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, what happened was I actually went on to college. Um, I went to Dowling college for a semester. It was very odd. Um, <laughs> so I went there and I had a work study job, believe it or not, you know, working on their flight school airplane. So Dowling college a flight school uh, in Long Island. It's no longer, you know, they, they close the doors and um, so it doesn't exist anymore. But, um, you know, I was there working as a technician for their Piper Warrior threes and stuff like that. And, you know, doing the whole AMP thing, which was cool, but it was so interesting because I was getting work study pay. Um, and, um, I was making the same money that the library, you know, attendant was making basically. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was odd uh, because they couldn't hire me as a, as a college employee. So it had to fall under work study. So it was, it was a weird deal. So anyway, um, you know, fast forward, what happened was one day during the semester, it was the fall semester of 2006. I went back to my dorm room and sat on the computer. Um, I had to type a paper or whatever. And I said, you know what, let me see what jobs are available out there for me. And I was just kind of fishing around, went JetBlue and Delta and Southwest and United and Continental at the time, you know, so I just looked to see what was out there and I just shot my resume out to everyone. And, you know, I didn't hear anything back. And I said, of course not. They're not going to hire uh, uh, an 18, 19 year old. It didn't make any sense, you know? Um, and then four weeks later, um, I got an, I got a call um, and an email from Delta saying, you know, um, you know, you applied, come on down, take the test. And I took the test thinking I failed it because so for, <laughs> so the funny thing was I was late to the test. Right. So I get there late. The guy's like, oh, man, you only got like a half hour left, or, you know, just kind of figure it out. So, you know, this is before all this electronic stuff and all this Internet test that they're doing. So it was actually a Scantron. And I sat down and I, I got there late, but I was one of the first people to finish. I thought I, I thought I completely bombed it. And um, <laughs> so I walked out of there like, yeah, this isn't going to work out. Whatever. Back to school I go. And um, and I was called out of the room and they said, well, you passed. And, um, you know, do you want, do you want to do the interview now? I said, well, okay, yeah, sure. So, um, I had a face-to-face -face interview with a guy named Tom Harper, who was, uh, the maintenance, uh, guy at Delta, uh, at JFK at the time. And, um, he hired me on the spot and, um, I started off in department 206, which is cabin maintenance. So that's fixing tray tables and stuff like that, just to get my feet wet, just to learn the logbook and sign offs and, you know, to get, to get familiar with the operation. And then, uh, five months after that, I went into line maintenance and there I am 19 years old, fixing engines and being out there in the cold and talking to flight crews. And they say, yeah, I got this weird light. Can you help me out? I'm like, ah, all right, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll figure it out, you know? Um, 
and 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 it was it was the best. Um, I couldn't believe it. Um, I still can't believe it. You know, I mean, at that point, being 19 years old, you know, I got to travel the world for free and, you know, get on standby everywhere. But still, you know, I didn't have to pay for any flights. And it was cool living in my mom's basement. You know, it was it was awesome. You know, um, and then here I am, you know, fast forward to now. Now I'm teaching. Now I still travel, but I travel for work. I you know, I teach classes all around military bases and, you know, different airports and stuff and, you know, teaching people about the 737. So it's a, uh, it's really crazy because, you know, the, the irony is, you know, I, <laughs> you know, for someone who, you know, grew up not seeing the, the full point of school, you know, of course there's a point in school, but like, you know, a lot of stuff to me didn't matter. Like, why am I even studying this stuff to now becoming an instructor of something is like absolutely insane to me. Like every day I wake up and I suit up for work. I'm like, how the hell am I teaching airplanes? <laughs> Isn't that I, wonderful? You're the, you're the teacher now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess, I guess I'll just roll with it, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's really crazy how, you know, it came back to kind of slap me in my face, but in a good way. So it's cool. So, th- I mean, that is absolutely fascinating. And I love that there is such a, a, a unique path to sp- spread the message around and you probably do make the best teacher having been probably from what you're describing a fairly reluctant student (laughs) yeah you know i just i just try to make stuff simple you know just because that's that that's how i am you know a lot of people have these crazy theories and stuff like that but if you study it enough i mean you can really dumb it down to really dumb it down and dumb it down again where it's like you know hey it's really not that big of a deal this is what's going on here you know but you glossed over very quickly the first thing which is if you study it enough Ah, then, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah, true. you did. You did say that. Then you can. Then you can make it simple for others. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's 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 a good gig. I enjoy it. Um, you know, it's a great schedule. Holidays off, weekends off. Um, you know, Monday through Friday. It's nice. I I honestly can't complain. I tell people all the time, I have the best job in the world. I can't can't believe Delta pays me to to talk all day. I, I still, it still, it still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it still doesn't make any sense, but I'm here, man. I'm here. And it's, uh, you're yeah. going to wind up being a mechanic that doesn't have back issues and, uh, and carpal tunnel syndrome at this rate. Yeah, What's going you. on? Yeah. Cause being out there, you know, being out there, you know, in the cold and the heat, I mean, it, it you know, eventually it, it, it just takes a toll on you. I mean, lifting stuff, you know, it's, it, it's, it's great, but it does take a toll on you. So, you know, I've kind of bought myself a little bit of uh, longevity here. So. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about your role because it's fascinating to me. And I think a lot of people who fly airlines, which is everyone, um, always wants to know what's going on behind the scenes here with line service. When we're talking, if, if your aircraft is getting delayed, if there's some issue going on, these are the folks that you that you teach with the 737, right? That are that are solving problems with an aircraft at the gate, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, of course, the biggest thing is safety. Um, you know, safety is uh, number one. Um, but at the same time, you know, you got to try to minimize the time that you're taking to, you know, solve whatever problem you may have because people have connections, people have you know weddings to go to, funerals unfortunately to attend, and birthday parties or whatever. You know, there's so many different um, you know things that you know people have to get to. But um, you know, solving a problem. The good thing is uh, there is a, a book that we can use. Depending on what's broken, 
um, we may be able to uh, uh, basically acknowledge that it's broken and let the flight crew know that it's broken. And that book will give us allowable limits and stuff to operate the aircraft you know, safely, as long as, you know, certain uh, uh, safety precautions and certain things are done in order to do so. But at the same time, there's certain things that are not in that book. And if it's not in that book, then you can't, um, you know, basically MEL it, you know, um, and, uh, and, and and it's got to be fixed, you know, before that airplane flies. So, um, again, the biggest thing is safety, um, but still getting the job done uh, in a, in a timely fashion, you know, uh, for the sake of the passengers. Yeah. So for all of us, of course, you mentioned MEL, minimum equipment list. Yep. That's that's a concept that all of us, whether we're flying something with a, a, a prop on the front and, and sure. or, or even a glider, that yep. is, it's it's the minimum that uh, equipment that you need in order to conduct your flight. Exactly. And so I assume if if you can meet that, you're basically just dealing with paperwork and operational restrictions. If you can't, you've got to fix something. Is that right? That's correct. Yep, exactly. Um, so the MEL book would tell you, you know, ours is very detailed. It has, you know, how many systems that are on board, how many systems need to be operating and and uh, how long it can be broken for and what you have to do in order to release that airplane, whether it be pulling a circuit breaker, whether it be taking off a cannon plug and capping it, whether it be locking out a valve, you know, there's so many different things um, that that you know, you can do to, you know, follow that MEL, um, but it spells it out to the T. Uh, but yeah, that, that'll allow you to operate the airplane in a safely manner and still fly it uh, with that system potentially being broken still. How frequently when aircraft are, are waiting for dispatch and you've got a problem, are you able to actually end up repairing something on the line? Uh, uh it, <laughs> It's it's kind of really the roll of the dice because I mean things things break all the time. I mean even you know I mean things like light bulbs, position lights. You know if it's daytime, you know you can you can hook it if it's not working um, and still fly the airplane as long as it's daytime and the MEL will spell it out daytime operations only and stuff and uh, for, you know which makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so I I probably have to say it's a it's a roll of the dice. Just kind of depends on what what you get. Um, and what, what the situation is, there's so many different variables, you know, because as a line mechanic, you know, you're out there with the airplane, but there's people behind the scenes like maintenance control that you may talk to and, you know, dispatchers that are dealing with, you know, what's going on, you know, the four flight superintendents that are in charge of the flight. Um, then, you know, you have people looking at spares. Hey, if we can't fix this thing, can we move this, you know, these people and, you know, to another gate because we have a spare airplane that's it's not assigned to flight and, you know, we can move them there. And there's just so much that goes on behind the scenes, you know? Um, wow. And that's, that, yeah, that's honestly, you know, a lot of times when I conduct uh, these classes, I always try to make it a point because when I first started line maintenance up at JFK, I thought, you know, just me being the small minded person at the time, you know, not seeing the big picture of the airline, I'm thinking line maintenance is it, you know, yeah, I know there's guys working in a hangar somewhere and, you know, maybe some people working in a, in an office somewhere, but this is it. This is where I work. And, you know, JFK is one of the biggest, busiest airports in the world. And this is it. And then when I got down to Atlanta, you see all these little shops and all these little, you know, you got hangar maintenance here, you got engine maintenance there. You know, this, it's just a whole entire world. And if someone isn't doing their job, the whole company takes a hit no matter what. You know, if, if, if they aren't, you know, if they're not putting out engines in a timely fashion, an engine shop, well then when, when I need an engine on the line to replace one, if I need to, 
well, then I don't have that engine. And it's just, it's just a ripple effect. Everybody has to do their job in order for the, the large machine to work. It's, uh, it's, it's actually really remarkable how everything gets done. Wow. Is there any, uh, any, any stories in particular or instances in particular that could that come to mind of anything? I, I have, you always have visions when you're sitting in, you know, 23 D of course, that someone's out there jacking up the tire and replacing it before you leave the gate. But I mean, <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, well, 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 I mean, I've, I've done that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of times maybe uh, it'd be a quick turn and basically a quick turn is, you know, airplane comes in and it leaves, you know, they deplane it and it has a, it's supposed to leave like another 40 minutes or so, you know, quick turn sometimes under an hour. And, you know, <clears throat> when it hits the gate, you know, the flight crew may say, Hey, I was doing a walk around and, you know, that tire is showing cord or whatever, and they're loading people up and, you know, and, you know, we got, got to get that tire change, you know, and that's, that's, that's just what it is, you know? And, um, it's, 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 it's crazy sometimes, uh, you know, not, not in a bad way, obviously, but it's just, just doing what you can to keep the machine going, you know? All right. Last, last geeky question on all this stuff for you, because, uh, <laughs> I can't help it, but a lot of times you're listening in and people are waiting for, for paperwork. Is it electronic or is it actually paperwork when you're dealing with a release of something, whether it's an MEL or whether it's something else that you're dealing to get a flight out? Um, it's both. So you have the logbook that stays in the airplane with all the, the maintenance stuff. And all, I mean, all that's, you know, written. So the flight crew would write up, you know, whatever's going on with it and, you know, what flight number, what day and all that other stuff. And, you know, we have to go in and write, but then on the electronic side of it, once we pull that log page out, that gets entered into a database. Um, so that's the electronic side of it. So uh, releasing the airplane happens two different ways. Of course, you know, once you're working on it, you know, you'll <clears throat> fix item, fix the item or MEL it, whatever the case is. And then that next page, you know, you'll sign the top of the logbook releasing it. Um, so the pilots have that for them. And then when you go on the computer, um, it happens basically again, but just digitally. Got it. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank, <laughs> thanks for indulging me with that. I want to fast forward to your personal flying now, because of course, you're, uh, you're not just a mechanic and not just mechanic for, uh, for Delta. You're, you're also, of course, a, a pilot, a CFI, an aerobatics pilot. Tell me the story for that, because for, for the story you told me so far of just getting to where you did, that was already kind of a pinch me thing. How did you find your way into the cockpit? Um, and, and, and really, that's a weird deal. So, you know, fast, well, not fast forward, rewind to back, you know, when I was a kid, like I said, you know, I wanted to, um, you know, get into flying. And then I ended up going to an aviation maintenance school with, I mean, worked out just fine. Um, that's why we're talking, right? Because if I didn't go there, you know, I might not know who you are, you know, and vice versa. But, um, but uh, long story short, what happened was I was working as a line mechanic here in Atlanta. And um, I go up and uh, um, there was an MD-88 that had some type of issue um, that I was sent out to, to go talk to the pilot about. And I walk into the flight deck and there's this pilot and he looks at me. He's like, man, you look kind of young. I was like, well, you know, not as young as you think, but yeah, what's up, you know? So, you know, we end up talking about whatever issue he had or whatever the case is. And it wasn't a big deal. I forget exactly what the issue was, but you know, he said, man, you know, you should, you should think about flying. And I said, well, and I said exactly to him, I said, I think that ship has sailed. And he said, no, nah. he said, a lot of us old folks going to be retiring soon. Um, so you might want to, you might want to think about it. I'm, ah, okay, whatever. You know, and off he went. Um, and then maybe about two weeks after or so, um, 
I was sent out to another MD-88, and it was the same guy. He's like, hey, you started flying yet? And I'm like, no, of course not, man, you know? I said, man, I told you, that ship was sailed. He's like, man, I'm really, you know, you should just, just do it. You know, give it a shot, try it. I'm like, ah, whatever, and off he went. Um, and then um, got called out again maybe about a month after, and I go out, it's the same guy. Uh, the guy's name is Dave Buck. Um, and uh, <laughs> Dave and I is like, man, you know, I know you haven't started flying, probably not, but this has got to be a sign. I said, all right, man, give me your number. You know, so I took his number and um, I said, you know, how do I do this thing? And he's like, well, I put out a couple of feelers on Facebook and, and um, I'll let you know what happens. And um, he ended up um, texting me maybe two days after and said, hey, I got a guy for you. He said he'll love to take you flying and da 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 da. And um, that gentleman's name is Glenn Fink. And um, I went down to the airport. He had a Cessna 182 and said, yep, let's, let's do a discovery flight. I hopped in and it was great. You know, the setup was perfect. You know, he knew what he was doing. And, uh, you know, he took me up. It was the sunset, cotton candy skies. I'm like, oh, man, this is, you know, the air was nice and smooth. I said, man. So, you know, we landed. He said, so, so what do you think? I said, man, it was, it was awesome, you know. And uh, I said, when do I start? And, and, and the rest was history. Um, I started flying in January of 2017, and I got my private in 2018, um, in May, May, May of 2018. So oh it took me longer because, you know, I was traveling for work and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I'd, sometimes I'd be away for two weeks at a time. So, of course, you know, when I come back, it's like, hey, do you remember that thing I showed you last time we flew? And I'm like, no, I don't, you know. So I have to spend a couple of lessons backwards to go forwards, you know, the deal. So, um, but yeah, that's that. That's actually how I got into flying. Um, and then uh, the aerobatic deal, uh, you know, thanks to Glenn, um, I just finished up a flight and he was pulling his RV-8 out of the hangar and said, hey, you ever been in an RV-8? I said, nope. So you want to go? I said, sure. So, so I hopped in the back, he was up front and, you know, we took off and I'm thinking I'm just going on, you know, going off for a ride. He's like, Hey, have you ever done a, a roll before? I'm like, a roll, like rolling, like upside down. Like, yeah. I said, no. He said, okay, watch this. You know, <laughs> he pushed the nose up, he threw it over and I'm like, Oh wow. This guy still have it on video on my phone. I said, Oh, that was amazing. You know? And I said, can I try? He said, yeah. So he walked me through it. And then uh, I landed. I said, hey, can you teach me how to do that aerobatic stuff? He said, me? I said, hell no, I can't teach you how to do that. He said, I don't even like it. I said, well, <laughs> what'd you do that for then? You know, he said, well, you know, just, just showing you something different. So he's like, for that, you're going to have to go seek somebody out. So I started making phone calls and stuff like that. I finally had somebody uh, uh, willing to train me for a little bit, a guy named Mike Fitzpatrick um, out of Noonan uh, down here. And um, he took me up. And uh, the rest was history. And I said, man, I got to get an airplane now because this stuff is getting getting a little bit too expensive. You know, aerobatic flying ain't no joke, man. So I had to find me something and I uh, ended up buying a decathlon, a fixed pitch, 150 horse. And um, that's what I'm rebuilding now. So, Oh, man. So all it took was, uh, uh, let me make sure I understand the story correctly. So there was someone who really wanted you to fly. And so they kept breaking their MD-88 and keeping people on the ground so they could, when they knew you were on call, so they could get you into the cockpit and talk you into flying. I'm telling you, that, that guy, Dave Buck, man, he's, uh, he's something else. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're yep. wondering why you were sitting at the gate on that Delta flight, it was, because, it was worth it, all right? He was busy trying to inspire a young man to get his license. <laughs> I'm telling you. 
good old Dave Buck, man. He's he's fantastic. You know, thank I thank God for Dave Buck because if I never bumped into Dave, I I probably wouldn't be flying. So that's awesome. It, you know, one of the things I really find wonderful about general aviation is that it seems to be uh, the least exclusive community in in the way that it operates, meaning we want to make more pilots. We want people to come in, but we have a problem because we don't have good outreach and right. the message doesn't seem to get out. So it's almost like the door's open and we're waiting, but but we can't seem to reach. And this seems to be something that, that you spend a lot of your time focused on. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so... You know, um, as far as spreading the word, um, you know, I feel like that's why I'm here. I feel like that's why I got into flying. Um, you know, I didn't get into flying to make money. Um, you know, I didn't, I had no aspirations to become an airline pilot when I started. I was just doing it for the fun. Um, and I'm still doing it for the fun. Um, but, you know, as far as, uh, you know, getting the word out there, you know, I started putting stuff on my Instagram, you know, started flying and making, you know, some, some interesting videos, just kind of me doing some landings and, you know, a couple other things. And when I got into aerobatic flying, you know, posting that obviously that's a different dynamic. Um, but, uh, you know, people, you know, like, especially African-Americans and stuff, you know, they, they started kind of looking a little bit like, man, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, he's upside down doing this crazy stuff. I had never seen that before. Um, you know, so I would get messages like, Hey, how do I get into flying? How do I do this? How do I do that? You know, where do you go? Who do I talk to? And then I started realizing that I had a bigger, uh, uh, responsibility, um, you know, in this, in this space, um, as far as spreading the word, um, because, you know, you go to a lot of, you know, Oshkosh and Sun and Fun, a lot of these, you know, well, of course those are the two big flies, but I mean, even smaller ones, you know, just around that I've stopped in, I've seen different events and stuff like that. I mean, just the, the, the diversity is just not there. Um, and it's just, it's just not. So, you know, I'm using my social media channels, to, to, to do that. I'm trying to answer questions. I'm trying to, you know, bring people with me, you know, post about air shows, post about these flyings just to get people out. And, you know, it is, it is helping, um, a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's so much work to do in the space as far as just, just from a diversity standpoint, you know, um, just, yeah. and, I, and I'm not just talking about, you know, African-Americans, I mean, just people in color in general. I mean, you go to any air show, um, you know, a big flying. I mean, just the, the, the majority of the population is, you know, all, all white, you know, so it's just, right. there's, there's a lot of work to be done. I've, I've always, you know, I've worked for large companies, I've been independent and it's been, it's always fascinating to me because inevitably there's always a study that gets done through a marketing firm of the, you know, demographics of general aviation or of aviation in general, which is, really, you know, you, you, you spend the money, you go through it all. And it also always comes back to the same thing, right? It, it, which is like old white guys. So like, welcome, welcome to the crowd. But right. it's not a field that that's what it, we really want it. It's not that way because we want to turn people away. It's, it's, it's that way for reasons that need to change and that can change if we right. can have the outreach. Um, right. I, right. I, yeah. I, I applaud the work that you're doing. I think we need to do as much as possible in that area. Yeah. 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 
and you know, it's, it's, it's not an overnight thing. I mean, you know, it's resources, it's, it's, it's who, you know, I mean, just, you know, because honestly, like before Dave Buck, you know, if somebody would have came up to me and said, Hey, you know, uh, I want to know how to fly. Where do I go to, to go do it? And I tell them, I don't know, maybe, uh, ask a gate agent or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You know, if you see a guy in a hat and he's got like these bars, ask him, you know, because, because, because we don't know, you know, I mean, just, just, you know, we just don't know in my community, whereas, you know, on the other side, you know, somebody who has a cousin, who has an uncle, you know, there's, there's some type of connection there, you know, but, you know, in the African-American community, you know, I mean, you just forget about it. So, um, so I get a lot of questions because people don't know. So I try to put people in, you know, in the right point, people in the right direction. Hey, you know, what, what airport do you live by? Or where do you live? Okay. Well, Google, you know, flying clubs and flight schools in your area and, you know, ask for a discovery flight. Like I have these conversations at least, you know, five to, to, to eight a day, um, just trying to point people in the right direction. So I know it is making an impact. Um, but, but, you know, like I said, when I go to, <laughs> I just came back from Oshkosh and I'm always looking, I'm like, man, it's just so much work, so much more work to do because, you know, I'm here I, I, and, and, you know, I am having fun in the space and I'm, you know, doing, you know, I'm making personal progress and I have my own personal goals, but, um, you know, I understand that it's bigger than me because when it's all said and done, you know, I want to be able to go to an air show 20 years from now and have an actual diverse crowd, you know? Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So it's just, you know, every day is a new goal. Uh, every day is working on the same goal also. Um, so it's just, it's just pressing on. Um, it's just, it's just pressing on, but you know, there, there are a lot of things like I, like I mentioned resources. I mean, people just don't know. I mean, if you ask, you know, the majority, I mean, they don't know anybody who flies. Um, so they, they have no clue where to start. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Do you, what do you find in terms of, if you look at the problem of, of not having aviation represented in the way that the world is represented uh, for population, in your experience, have you, how do you find that being kind of the, 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 the fault of the industry of not reaching out, um, perhaps just the communities not being, not being aware and, and getting there, or downright just basic racial bias and prejudice uh, blocking people from getting into it. What, what's your experience been? Um, I don't think it's race, you know, racial bias at all. I just think, you know, from where the problem stems from is just available resources. So, I mean, you know, aviation is an expensive game. Um, so unfortunately you got to have money to play, uh, not money to attend, but if you want to buy an airplane or you want to, you know, uh, uh, you know, improve your panel or whatever the case is, I mean, it, it's a nonstop cost, even putting gas in the airplane and, you know, a standard airplane, it drinks nine gallons an hour, single engine deal. You know, I mean, it costs money. Um, and unfortunately in, in, in my community, I mean, that's just not a resource that's, that, that's, that, that's available, you know? Um, so that's, that's really where the problem stems from. Um, it's just, we just don't have the money to do it. So, I mean, I can point people in the right direction, but then it's like, okay, great. This is great. I'm going to, you know, ask for this discovery fly, you know, okay, cool. I did it. Okay. Well now I want to sign up for classes. Okay. Well, this is going to cost you like $250 an hour. It's like, Whoa, wait a minute. How many hours do I need? Like five? Like, Oh, well 40 legally, but you know, the national average, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't, uh, you know, and, and you know, that's, that's, that's the problem right there. Um, so trying to solve that, trying to make flying, 
you know, affordable is the thing that's going to change it. Um, and that's just, that's, that, that's a whole different animal in itself. Um, so that's where scholarships and certain things come into play. And, you know, I plan on, you know, offering my own scholarships and trying to, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe do anywhere from two to five, you know, private students a year. You know, I plan on starting my own nonprofit and, and trying to, you know, solve this problem because again, you know, you can point them in the right direction, but you know, it's all, you know, it's almost like a, like catch 22, you know, you spread the word, then they get out there, then they want to get involved and realize how expensive that it is. And then they like, well, you know, I don't belong in this space. Right. right. So, um, so, so it's, it's, it's very, it's a very interesting, you know, puzzle to, to figure out, uh, but it can be done. Um, and I have friends who, you know, who are friends now who I've never met in real life, who, um, you know, found me on social media, said, Hey, I'm going to start taking lessons. And then like three years after the fact, Hey, you know, uh, thanks for your help. Blah, blah, blah. I just got my private. I'm like so excited. I plan on, you know, so I know it is working. Um, but again, um, the cost is the, is the problem, but I mean, everybody struggles with that, right? No matter if you're, if you're rich or you're poor, you still have to spend the money. Of course, there's a, you know, a, a big gap between rich and poor, but you know, the, the, the common thing is you still have to spend money, you know, regardless. Right. So just well, trying to, yeah. Yeah, of course, there's, there's two different things, right? We've got the recreational aviation. Those that just want to, you know, weekend flying for a hundred dollar hamburger where you're spending the money and, you're, and, and it's because it's disposable income and, and you're doing right. it for fun. But as yeah. a profession mm-hmm. and having it as an opportunity, that's the idea that you have to get over this hurdle of being able to spend the money so that you can go into the profession. Right. And it seems to me that we are, making some inroads on the technical side because the technic the cost of technical schools maybe is manageable enough that someone can see the payback after they graduate and get a job and maybe even get a signing bonus that pays off some of what people have invested in. Um, But that's not there yet. It doesn't seem in, in being a professional pilot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough um, because you know, so for example, like, um, like, you know, some flight schools, you know, you got to invest, you know, 90 grand or something like that to go all the way. And, you know, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. It's a lot of money, you know, um, in my personal opinion, you know, I can't speak for everybody's, you know, own personal situation, but I think, you know, if that's what you want to do, I think now's the time to do it just because they're hiring so much. So you do see, you know, yeah, you got to spend 90 or take out a loan for 90 grand, you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, that's, that's a lot of money. But um, there is light at the end of the tunnel um, because, I mean, I'm at work every day, you know, and I see how much pilots, you know, we're bringing in. And I mean, you know, that's just us. I mean, everywhere. I mean, you know, the general aviation side, um, you know, of course, there's corporate aviation. Of course, there's, you know, the airlines. I mean, everybody's hurting. Um, So you can fit in somewhere. Um, You know, you spend that money, you know, you get all your ratings in a year or less than that. And you know, just kind of put yourself out there. I think to me personally, I think it's worth it, but you know, you don't know what everybody's financial situation is. So, I mean, it's a hard sell, you know, regardless of how you look at it, cause it's not free. Uh, but there are tons of scholarships out there also, you know, try to tell folks, you know, there, there, there are options. There's a lot of money I see being left on the table because people don't know about it. So, um, 
there are ways to get around it. You know, if you do enough research, if you ask enough questions and, you know, you ask the right people, um, there are ways to, to try to make it as affordable as you possibly can. Yeah. What about schools like the one that you went to? How, how did your family find out about it? And, and do you think that that's a, that's a path in, in terms of like in place of high school that, that can help people along exactly the same lines you followed? So, so, so the reason why I started smirking when you asked, how did they find out about it? So how they actually found out about it was I failed coming out of seventh, eighth grade. I failed about six classes. Right. So, so, and this is a true story. So growing up, I played basketball. I, you know, I was pretty decent, you know, my age and you know my size, but I'm not terribly tall. I'm, you know, average height, you know, I'm five, nine, you know, five, 10 on a good day when I'm wearing my work boots. But, um, <laughs> but you know, um, you know, I would go to these basketball camps. I do pretty well. And, you know, some of the, uh, the, the basketball camp, uh, uh, counselors and, you know, organize, Hey, you know, talk to my mom. Like, hey, he's pretty good. You know, why don't you come to our high school? You know, we win all these city championships and stuff like that. We think he'll do pretty well. He'd be challenged and da da da. And she said, Nope, he failed six classes. If I got to pay for that school, sounds like a private school, which it was, he's not going, he's going to have to find a public school to go to. Okay, great. So I get this book in New York. They give you this book with all the high schools in it, in all the different boroughs. And it's all like color coded and stuff. Right. So I'm flipping there crying my eyes out because I wanted to go to, you know, Zavarian high school in Brooklyn and, and, and play basketball and, you know, and be one of the best in the city and stuff like that. And I flip in the page and I get to Queens and I see aviation high school and I stop right there. And I'm like, so I ended up, you know, in, in, in New York, you have to make a list of high schools, you know, in order of, you know, which ones you want to go to. So I put it first. I'm like, well, got no other option, you know, and I put it first and I ended up getting in. So that's how they found out about it. And that's a true story because I, I had no clue it existed um, until I failed six classes and until I had to go in that book. So if I wasn't right, if, if I didn't suck so bad at school early on, right, <laughs> then then. I wouldn't even be in this space. So, so it's, it's really interesting how things come together. Um, I would have gone on, I'd have played basketball. I'd have gone to that school. She'd be like, Oh yeah, sure. He, he's a spectacular student. Of course I'm going to pay for private school for him. Right. Yeah. Go, go play basketball. I'd have probably got a nice little small scholarship to go on to college. And then I'd be out, I'd be out there in the workforce doing God knows what, but because I failed those six classes brought me here. So it's a, uh, it's very interesting. So I, again, that school saved my life. You know, I say it all the time uh, because it did, because I don't know what the hell I'd be doing otherwise. Um, but going back to answer your question, um, I think there's another s school like mine, I believe it's in Seattle or something like that, um, where they integrate, you know, high school and the vocational side of it. Um, vocational side of aviation. And I can't remember if it's a maintenance deal or they get you started like flying earlier or something like that. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but I do believe there should be more schools like mine. Um, yeah, more, more schools uh, like my high school. And um, it's, uh, it's, it, it's produced a lot of uh, technicians, of course, uh, also tons of pilots out of that school. I mean, everybody, you know, gets their license, like, oh, I think I'll start flying. And, you know, they go into the, you know, the, 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 the flight ops side of it and, you know, super successful. Um, I, I bump into people all the time at work. Oh yeah. I went to aviation. Oh yeah. What year are you? I'm 80 something. Oh, I'm 2005. You know, it's just, it's, it, it's nonstop and we're all over the world too. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of cool. So that was a public school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. It's, public school with it, not only an A and P program, but a, even even a, a flight school program. Well, not so. My school did not have a flight school program; just an A and P program. There was a flying club that Mr. Bongiorno used to do, and he used to take you know kids out to Republic Airport and get them like you know a, a half hour flight here, an hour flight there. Um, but that was kind of like his deal. But the school, I mean, had a, had a, has an FA certified maintenance program, and it is mm-hmm. a public school. So people ask me, "Oh, how much did you pay for your A and I'm like, "I don't know, like three hundred bucks." And it's the truth because I only <laughs> I only had to pay for the for the for the for the practical exam. That was it. <laughs> that was it. So it's 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 absolutely crazy. I mean, yeah, seriously, I paid like three hundred or four hundred dollars for my A You know. I mean, it certainly seems to me it's self-evident that that is w- what we need with a looming crisis, not just a pilot crisis, but a, a massive mechanic crisis that will benefit the entire country, if not the world. We need to have that as an option. We need to have more of those public schools that can do what you just said. I agree. Um, I, I I agree. There's, there's just, there's just so much more room for, I mean, mechanics, pilots, air traffic controllers. I mean, it just, the list goes on and on. Um, and, um, there's just, there's just not enough of these schools out there. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I think it'd be great. Um, I think it'd be great because it's, it's good. I mean, you know, you have a lot of people that are really good with their hands and it's, it's a great career. I mean, um, you know, I got to travel the world at 19. I'm going down to Florida, hanging out in West Palm beach with my cousin and stuff like that. Like, what am I doing here? You know I mean? I've had so many moments like, you know, am I dreaming, especially early on? I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, man, I went to high school and here I am working for, and Delta is my favorite airline. I mean, even growing up as a kid, um, I, shook the table a little bit, but, um, I love Delta. Um, and I still do. So it's, it's, it's like really a dream come true that I ended up, you know, where I would have wanted to be in the first place, you know? So. Wow. And again, you know, we touched on this earlier, but one of the things that I think is kind of lost in, in this is, is it's very easy for people to look at and kind of separate these two worlds of, the professional world, whether it be going to college and getting a job or, or whether it be going into the professional as a pilot in an airline versus going to a technical college and learning, quote, a trade. Yeah. In aviation, it seems like those are not completely separate things that you, as you've shown with your career, it's seamless. These are these you can move from swinging a wrench to training people to managing people to being a VP somewhere like this. This the door. The sky's the limit if we can it get is. more people into that world. It is absolutely. Um, and yeah, like I said, there's just there's just so much space. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can come in as a mechanic and like you know what that flying thing was kind of cool. Let me just transition over to that. I mean, because because once you're there, I mean, there's just there's just so many different, like at one point I actually thought about being an air traffic controller, um, you know, just like, Oh, that sounds kind of interesting. But then I heard like, you know, people having tough times down in Oak city and, you know, it kind of being rough. I said, ah, I don't know if I want to leave my gig. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this now, you know, because you know, if I don't make it over there then I'm kind of out of a job and then I'll be looking to come back. I'm like, nah, let me not, let me not do that. So that, that, that kind of came and went real quick. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, you know, aviation's a, um, 
it's it's such a very 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 cool and almost endless space i mean there's so much stuff you can get into um it's, it, it, and you know you see it when you go to these big flyings right i mean you know you know you you just take you know whatever airplane you might be flying or whatever and then you now now with this whole drone thing going on you know i was just just up at oshkosh and i'm walking and it looks like a, a dang ufo I'm like, what is that? You know what I mean? It was just the, the little black car thing with all the little propellers. <laughs> the black fly. The, yeah. <laughs> buzzing by. I'm like, what is that? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just crazy. I mean, it's just, it, there's just so much stuff that you can get into so much stuff you can learn, you know, all the, all the seminars to go to, to, you know, learn about different things, all the workshops, like the, all the, the, the fabric workshop, ironing and learning how to, you know, shrink fabric. And I mean, just, all this stuff is just, it's just endless. Uh, there's, there's so much information and that's what makes it, you know, extremely cool. Um, in my yeah. personal, because there, there's literally something there for everybody. You know, if you like really fast stuff, you got the jets buzzing by doing the air show. If you like the slow stuff, there's that too. If you like drones, is that too, you know, if you like to go work with your hands, there's workshops for that. If you like to go and sit seminars and stuff, it's just, it's just so much. It's, you know, it, it, some points it's almost overwhelming, you know, how much stuff is. <laughs> Oshkosh is certainly overwhelming to say the oh, least. Gosh, it's, it's, it's unreal, you know? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just happy to be here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I had no idea when I stepped foot in my high school that I would, you know, be, be, be here today. I had no clue, you know? So, right. But it's cool. Just enjoying the journey. Well, you were on a trajectory now that is is quite inspiring because you are you're working on on putting your satabria back uh, your decathlon excuse me in um uh, upgrading that and if i understand correctly your goal is to eventually be an air show performer at uh, at, at shows like that and help inspire people by being in front of the crowd and yeah. that that's i can't wait to see that tell me about that journey yeah um you know it's it's <laughs> being upside down is cool as hell. Let's just start there. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's fantastic. Um, you know, when I go to air shows, you know, I watch, you know, people like Mike Gullion and Rob Holland and, uh, uh, Greg Kuntz and, you know, just, just, just to name a few. And I look at the crowd, you know, Skip Stewart. Oh goodness. And I look at the, the, the reaction of the crowd. It's, it's, it's just, you know, and the feeling I get, and I look around and say, "Hey, do you feel that too? You know what I mean? Did, did you see that? Do you are you feeling the same thing that I'm feeling?" And you know, I just wanted to be a part of that. And then also, I mean, you go to an air show right now. There's no African American performers. It's just it's just a very underrepresented uh, under underrepresented you know space. Um, and I want to help change that because you know that will be able to bring you know. Uh, uh, that diverse crowd, you know, out. Um, so, so it's a lot bigger, you know, the mission that I have is a lot bigger than just going up there and just making circles with smoke and, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's, it's really trying to make, you know, an impact that matters. Um, you know, not to say that what Mike and the rest of them do don't matter, because, I mean, I see the little smiles on the kids' faces and stuff like that. You know, they're all, you know, so, of course, that matters. You know, hopefully they're making pilots, um, you know, out there. But, but you know, I really want to bring my my community out and let them know that this space exists and they can live in it, too. Um, so that's 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 why I'm here. 
Well, that's so important. It, it's, I mean, it's been, it's been proven. It's been demonstrated. If you don't see yourself on TV and the movies and your heroes, then how can you aspire to be that? Right. Exactly. And, and, and I mean, you know, a lot of, um, I mean, even, you know, some companies, um, you know, of course I'm on social media all the time and, you know, every now and again, I, I look at, you know, some of these big, big companies and, you know, seeing if they're promoting diversity and, um, you know, I'm very grateful for the ones that do, um, because it's very important because I mean, you know, I buy something, some type of product and I go on social media and I'm scrolling, Oh, this is great. This is the product that I just got or whatever. And it's like, man, I don't, I don't see any of, I don't see any of me on here. You know, it's kind of, kind of strange, you know, but, 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 but that's what happens, you know, you know, and you can't, you know, you know, you, you can't help, but not think about it, you know, when you're in that position, it's just, it's just something that you just can't help. And people think about it, you know? Um, so, so I really, you know, am appreciative for the companies that, that do promote diversity because it does help. People do need to, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. People need to see, you know, especially get into the space that they want to be in. They want to see that representation so they can feel comfortable. They know it's attainable and, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah. And, and I want to give a proper shout out to that because we were both uh, introduced because we were both, both you and I were featured in Lightspeed's Path to Your Dreams ebook, which everyone can yeah. get if they go to Lightspeed Aviation's website. Uh, and, uh, and that's where I saw your story. And that's where I be, got really, uh, really tied in with it. And, and that matters a lot. And of course, you're also uh, sponsored by Avidon. Um, and uh, Avidon obviously works a, a huge supporter of social flight and, and equipping our T-51 Mustang behind us and, and doing, doing wonderful work with you. So um, it matters when companies get behind folks like yourself and make a difference. It does. It does. And I'm listening. I, I'll take a dollar, man. Any, any little bit helps, man. I'll take a smile. <laughs> I'll take a Coke. You know what I mean? You know, but, 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 but I'll tell you what, you know, the community itself has been very welcoming. Um, you know, Mike Gullion has been fantastic. Greg Kuntz has been fantastic. Uh, Steph Strickland has been like, you know, amazing helping me out and, you know, kind of getting me in the proper spaces and answering questions that I may have and stuff like that. So I've, I've never uh, had any, you know, uh, pushback on anything. I mean, people, I mean, just like you said in the beginning, this community has just been so welcoming, you know, as a whole. Um, and I'm super appreciative for that. So it's, it's been great. It's absolutely wonderful. Well, Mel, I don't want to end without sending people to make sure they know where to follow you. It is Mel the Traveler on Instagram. Uh, uh, any other ways that people can follow you? Um, yeah. Uh, Instagram is really where I live for the most part at the moment. Uh, but when my airplane is done, I also have a YouTube channel um, and I'll be putting a lot more stuff on there. And it's the same Mel the Traveler on YouTube. Um, but uh, yeah, Instagram right now is mainly where I live. But as the airplane continues to get closer to completion, I'll be dropping some some YouTube stuff. I'll start living on that space as well. So that's awesome. Well, Melvin Williams, thank you so much for joining us this evening here on Social Flight Live. Your story is inspiring and the work that you do is as well. And uh, I, I just can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. I've had a lot of fun, man. I'm, I'm almost kind of at the time. Uh, the time is kind of running out, but, you know, it's all right. Maybe, maybe we'll figure out another episode down the line or something. Like we that. will. We will. There is no doubt, especially when you get that plane in the air. I, oh, I'm, man. I'm telling you. I want to see more about that. So I'd love to have you back in the future. I really appreciate it. 
Oh, man, likewise. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having Excellent. me. Well, you have a wonderful evening. You too. Thank you. All Good right. night. Good night. And to those of you out there, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to join us here on Social Flight Live. We will be back next week, next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time with Greg Hughes of Vans Aircraft. If you didn't get a chance to see the RV-15 High Wing at uh, Oshkosh, if you didn't make it to that show, or even if you did, this is the opportunity to get lots of information about what's going on behind the scenes with the RV-15 and all sorts of other inside news from Greg coming out of Vans Aircraft. That's next Tuesday night, September 6th, and then the following Tuesday, September 13th at 8 p.m., I am thrilled to have the first female Thunderbirds pilot back with us. Nicole Malakowski will be joining us. We're going to talk about pilot health. She has uh, some challenges that have occurred in her life that she continues to fight against and has made it through as well. And um, it's going to be a very inspiring and informative episode for anyone who has ever wondered what would happen if they face challenges with their medical or the future of their flying. So be sure to tune in for that Tuesday, September 13th at 8 p.m. with Thunderbirds uh, pilot Nicole Malakowski. And on Tuesday, September 20th, Lightspeed Aviation founder Alan Schrader will be joining us with some very special news out of Lightspeed. Until next time again, thank you so much for joining us here on Social Flight Live. And I wish you all blue skies.